0: time it was, lights were low, oh, oh, I back on my radio, some cat was down some
1: You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC.
2: Welcome back, Indianapolis, to another exciting edition of Saturday Night on the Circle, where there's been a huge week in news. Fox News settling with Dominion voting systems in one of the largest defamation lawsuits ever. Uh, more clarity comes from the Biden administration's uh, past connection with the Hunter Biden laptop story and burying it in the narrative of Russian disinformation. Also, troubling reports, incredibly disgusting reports, to be honest, coming out of Brownsburg Elementary Schools, where two teachers have been dismissed, three have been placed on leave, and possible criminal charges are pending. Rob Kendall will be joining the show coming up next next to discuss all that but first we begin with Fox News who settled for seven hundred and eighty seven million dollars in the defamation lawsuit an incredible sum uh, by the way, thanks for joining me. My name is Ethan Hatcher, uh, producer Carl, beep, 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 pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. And you can catch our podcasts uploaded to WIBC.com, Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm, and hop in the chat on YouTube while we uh, broadcast the show live. $787 million is quite an incredible sum. And what it shows is the depths to which any major media organization, it seems like, whether they're left or right of center, will distort the facts in order to pander to their base. We saw uh, enormous multi-million dollar settlements in the case of Nicholas Sandman, when left-wing organizations tried to pander to their audience and portray this young man as a seething racist. And of course they were wrong and they paid the penalty for uh, misrepresenting him in the media. But here we have Fox News who knew damn well that what they were reporting on was factually untrue. Whether or not you believe Biden won the 2020 election, what seems inarguable at this point is elements that Fox News brought to broadcast were not factually accurate, and now they are uh, paying the penalty. This was noted by Bill Maher on real time on HBO.
3: They had them dead to rights because they had the texts from the Fox News anchors on the air. The Fox News people were towing the Trump line behind the scenes. They knew it was bullshit, and they were saying it the last it last week, Tucker Carlson, some of his new texts came out. He called Trump's lawyer, Sidney Powell, who he was having on a show, giving credibility to. In the text, he says, she's a <laughs> bitch, a psychopath, a liar, and a quaint. <laughs> and the Fox News spokesman said, well, they are cherry-picking those texts out of context. <laughs> i not making this up. I just want to know, in what context is bitch a compliment? That's just
2: my question. And then afterwards, they released a statement that said the settlement shows they continue to pursue the highest standards in journalism. What a joke. What a joke. We live in truly humorous times, uh, a topsy-turvy world upside down. And here's an interesting thing that most people probably didn't know about the settlement. Turns out, guess what, Carl? this multi-million dollar $787 uh, $787 million settlement with uh, Dominion yeah is tax deductible Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) As long as they're not reimbursed, as long as this isn't an expense for which uh, insurance will reimburse them, then yeah, that expense is totally tax-deductible in the favor of Fox News. I mean, anything can be written off, including, evidently, these defamation lawsuits. Cost of doing business. Yeah, it wouldn't count if it was a government penalty, but since this is a civil civil settlement, totally, you could write that off your taxes. (laughs) Um, Here was another interesting turn of events in the news this week Um, we're getting more clarity regarding the hunter biden laptop story and this is something that's been on the back burner for going on going on four years now i mean it was first uh, i think uncovered in in what was that uh uh the October of 2020. So, you know, three years later, we're still talking about it. And we're not going to be done. Like this week, we're, we're not going to be done with this story. It will likely continue to develop through the election season of 2024. But now, uh, according to uh, uh, House representatives, uh, Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan has uncovered evidence tying the Biden campaign. With the Russian disinformation narrative that was peddled by uh, uh, agents within the intelligence community, including the CIA, directly contacting then uh, CIA member Mike Morrell through the campaign in order to advance this narrative, which is... Incredible reported on by CBS.
4: According to a letter released Thursday night from the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees, former CIA deputy director Michael Morrell told congressional investigators the days after the laptop story, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, then a Biden campaign advisor, reached out to Morell and set in motion the events that led to the intelligence officials' public statement.
2: As we speak, Donald Trump is being prosecuted for felonies regarding uh, you know election interference about his hush money payment to Stormy Daniels which of course was not a crime and is an elevated misdemeanor at best because of uh, misrepresenting it in business filings. But that's it. That's, the, you know, the best case scenario. Really, it's it's wholly unsubstantiated. But now we're revealing the Biden campaign was actively working with members of the government. Anthony Blinken, then part of the campaign, uh, now part of the administration, working with Mike Morrell behind the scenes in order to advance a narrative in the media that was used to completely discredit even other journalists like the New York Post which was censored because at the time, remember, this was Russian disinformation claimed by Joe Biden on multiple occasions, riding on the to- coattails of his own election interference.
3: 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. They have said that this is has all the car- four, five former heads of the CIA. Both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage mm <laughs> You sit on a throne
2: of lies. And now we know the Biden administration was directly involved while they were campaigning. And according to the office director of national intelligence, they have verified there was no foreign uh, interference in the release of the Biden laptop. This is legitimate. It's been verified by multiple news organizations. And now we're finding out the depths to which the Biden administration or the Biden campaign at the time colluded with members of the government and members of the media community in order to uh, affect the outcomes of the election. That is the really scary thing that's going on here. And we're going to continue to have more information. Jim Jordan promising uh, uh, more release in the coming weeks. Uh, He's going to get specific um, and uh, release more information in the coming days. Also we found out that a Republican Speaker of the House totally intends to cave on raising the debt ceiling, now calling on the Biden administration to come to the negotiating table after offering what they're claiming is a responsible debt limit increase of over a trillion dollars, which is hysterical but to be expected from a California Republican. Here's Kevin McCarthy uh, coming to the uh, uh, House Republicans and spinning these lies.
3: Now that we've introduced a clear plan for a responsible debt limit increase. <laughs> they have no more excuse and refuse to negotiate. I think the Senate can honor maple syrup and basketball teams and negotiate on a debt ceiling at the same time. <laughs> We owe it to the American people to use this moment in history to deliver the future they want, need, and deserve. House Republicans have a plan, the Senate does not, and the President is ignoring the debt crisis. President Biden has a choice, come to the table and stop playing partisan political games, or cover his ears, refuse to negotiate, and risk bumbling his way into the first default in our nation's history.
2: Are you serious? Kevin McCarthy's letting you know right there he has no intentions of letting the country, quote, default on its debts. He will continue to raise the debt limit, already putting a trillion dollars on the table. And no, the Biden administration doesn't have to cave. These plans likely aren't going to be agreed with by the Democratic-controlled Senate. And Kevin McCarthy is going to be put in the position to then cave as we knew he would. It's time to face reality, folks. Fiscal conservatism is dead. Uh, The the Republican party no longer is the party of limited government and responsible spending. Those were some of the planks that the the party ran on during the Tea Party uh, uh, sweep of 2010. That's when I was very politically engaged. I was just turning 18 that year. And I remember the Republicans standing against the irresponsible spending, so-called, of the uh, Obama administration. But then they doubled down and continued it during the Trump administration. The Republicans are responsible and complicit, just as the Democrats are, in the profligate spending that is Sending our nation into runaway inflation and uh, spiraling down the drain. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. One more soundbite I wanted to get out of the way. You heard a few weeks ago John Kirby claim that he saw no chaos in the withdrawal of Afghanistan, saw no problems with the withdrawal, but this week admitted more than 20 months after leaving, they're still evacuating Americans from the country. 20 months on, no problem, says John Kirby.
4: But when it comes to Afghanistan, because I I think that's what you were asking about, we continue to get people uh, out.
2: (laughs) 20 months later, and he saw no chaos. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more. A busy week in news coming up next on the show. Rob Kendall will join us and shed a little bit more light on uh, the Indiana Republicans thumbing their nose at the base regarding property taxes here in the state of Indiana and also the troubling allegations coming out of Brownsburg Elementary Schools. Don't miss a moment of Saturday Night on The Circle.
0: something something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over
4: there
1: You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93
2: WIPC
4: I think it's time we
2: Hello and welcome to Saturday Night on the Circle I'm your bespectacled curmudgeon Ethan Hatcher don't miss the podcast uploaded to Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm and WIBC.com. Plus, hop in the chat while we broadcast live on the YouTube. Indiana schools have already come under scrutiny after a bombshell undercover video revealed teachers and administrators have been deceiving parents about school curriculum's inclusion of DEI and CRT. Now, scandal rocks Indiana schools once again, as two Brownsburg elementary teachers have been dismissed and possibly face criminal charges over their alleged treatment of a special education student. Here to tell us more about the disgusting accusations against these educators is the man who's a son of Brownsburg himself, the raucous ranting, often off the rails, Rob Kent. Until comes on the show. You know I love you, Ethan. You were born and came out of the womb at 50
5: years old. That's why I love you, Ethan. You were born 50 years old, and I I just love everything about you. Yes, this is. while that is funny. This is not funny, and we no. broke, we broke this story uh, earlier this week got a, uh, you know, Ethan, we have birdies everywhere, and uh, one of the birdies we have is uh, a well-respected uh, member of the Brownsburg Community School Corporation, who we will not name for fear of tar and feathering if they were ever uh, disclosed to have associated with me, and uh, they gave me uh, some information that an emergency uh, school board meeting was being called executive session. That means the public doesn't get to go to this, and uh, that there was some serious stuff afoot. It was called on a Thursday. The meeting was scheduled for a Monday. The only reason you schedule a meeting on a Thursday for a Monday and it relates to
2: job performance almost always it is someone has done something highly egregious and as i understand it what these teachers are being accused of and nobody's come forward to refute the accusation but this is this is pretty disgusting stuff they made this student eat Vomit? So, allegedly. Allegedly.
5: Now, I will tell you, I got this information from the same source that has been right about everything else so far. A person very connected inside of Brownsburg schools. And at least as of this segment, the Brownsburg Police Department has not released the police report yet. I'm sure it will all be in the police report, which the Brownsburg Police Department did confirm to Starr, We are doing a police report. There is video of the incident in question. They confirmed that as well. And obviously, two teachers have been fired. Three more are under investigation for possible termination. At least, as I was told, that is
2: what took place. Still no confirmation on that from the police department as of yet. Do you have any kind of timeline on when we're going to get the police report released? Because well, this is some pretty heinous stuff that's being thrown around to be happening under any circumstance, let alone to a special a special needs student.
5: Yeah, I was I was told it would be soon. Now, you know, who knows you are as familiar as I am with government soon could be uh, today, (laughs) soon could be uh, three weeks from now, and obviously then Lauren Delp, who is the prosecutor in Hendricks County, will have to make a determination nation, if anything, criminal has happened. But what I was told by the source, this sort of behavior, and I've heard from multiple parents, by the way. See, this is what something like this does. It opens the box for all the people who have had things they wanted to talk about, but haven't been able to talk about, who have said, thank you for talking about this publicly, because we have had special needs kids who have gone to Brownsburg schools, and while this specific thing
2: didn't happen to them, they were treated very poorly by the Brownsburg Community School Corporation. So this could have been continuing for quite some time, and that's what I don't get, Rob, Especially with you, you know, the the students that you're serving, special needs students. It's a very taxing environment. It requires a high degree of professionalism from the people involved, and it's not a field that pays a, a lot of money. So, if you are not qualified, you don't have the temperament or the disposition, that's fine. That's understandable. Get out of the school. Don't serve those students and certainly don't abuse them. This breaks my heart. It's terrible. Yeah, and I was told by this person who, again, has been right
5: about everything else so far, and there's absolutely no reason to lie. Um, Um, that this is not a one-off thing. Now, we'll see what the investigation (laughs) says, whether that's true or not, but that this behavior, and again, not this specific thing, but this behavior from the employees in question had been on radar or should have been on radar, had been going on for quite a while. Again, we'll see what the report says. That's what we'll go by. They're the trained investigators. But if indeed that is the case, you've got to say, where has the administration been? Because you got time to lie to the community about DEI officers. Go. You got the time to do all this extracurricular bullcrap that these public schools do, you know, to enhance wokeness and radical leftism. But you're not paying attention to the nuts and bolts of your school corporation. You're not paying attention to what's going on on the most vulnerable amongst us. And again, I want none of nothing more than that this be a totally one-off thing? It happened one time. These people were dealt with, you know, and and we're we're, we're done with them.
2: But it doesn't sound like that's the case. No, what it shows you is why it's important for administrators to focus on the quality of education rather than virtue signaling and lying to parents. They were focused on their woke agenda pushing and inclusion of politics into the curriculum instead of doing what's most important, which is providing a quality education to children. And worse yet, they were asleep at the wheel apparently while potential abuse or alleged abuse was going on. This is terrible stuff. It it
5: is. I know you got some other things you want to get to, but real quick. When that video came out um, of the school administrators all across the state, whether it was Plainfield or Martinsville or or Elkhart, uh, the Goshen was in there, but but Carmel where they're saying uh, on tape accuracy and media, I think is the group who put it out. Yeah, we're doing CRT. We're doing DEI. We're doing SEL and we're hiding it from parents because we don't want them interfering in us essentially indoctrinating your kid, trying to raise your kid because we know better than you you realize what a cesspool the public education system is in this state and it makes it even what makes it even more gross is the governor is out bragging about how much more money And the state legislature's out there bragging about how much more money they're throwing at public education to the tune of billions of dollars, and this is the
2: sort of behavior and actions you're enabling. I think we stumbled on the theme of the segment here, which is how little the government cares about you, whether it's educators being paid by the state or the politicians themselves. They don't give a damn about the constituency, and that is also illustrated by the Republican Party's lack of movement, complete lack of movement, middle finger to the base regarding property taxes in the state. Which are completely out of control. You did a whole segment on Friday on the Kendall and Casey show. Had some great callers talking about how the, you know the assessments are completely out of control and how they're getting screwed over by the state. This is ridiculous, and I'll tell you how I've gotten screwed over in just a sec. But yeah, well, yeah, and so I mean, again, it's something they knew. They being the Republicans knew,
5: and we get this all the time. Why are you so mean to the Republicans? Well, they they're control, in charge. They run, they run everything, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't. We don't. We don't have anything. That, we don't. We don't. They have a supermajority yeah. in the legislature. There's, there's no one else for me to talk about. Um, <laughs> But the the Republicans knew a year ago that these assessments were skyrocketing, and it wasn't like, oh, it went up 3%. Like, you know, that happens all the time, and that's bad enough, but, but, you know, people just ignore it and go on. You've got 30%, 40%, 50% increases in assessment, which, based on how we tax people, it's on a percentage of the assessment of your property. They knew these taxes were going to go up. And we talked about it for a year, and then we talked about it at the start of this year, and all we got from the Republicans was bad-mouthing me, calling me things like a shock jock and a guy out for ratings, and I didn't know, and how could I know? And we've been proven completely right, because, well, we know how the system works, and we can do math, and yet we are a week to go in the legislative session, and the Republicans in, in the Senate, certainly, and to an extent the House, said, we're not doing anything. The party of low taxes and limited government, who just admitted they found a billion and a half dollars in extra money because of the revenue forecast, are doing nothing to help people, the elderly, the fixed income people, who, who, I mean, it's bad enough to do it to people who can afford it. There are people on Social Security who cannot afford this, who we got a guy a call from a guy, $800 a year, $800 a year, Ethan, he's, increase, increase. He's bringing in 1700 a
2: month on Social Security. And how are you going to be able to pay for that? You can't. Answer, you, you got to either choose to stay in your house or pay for groceries, and that's an unfair choice to people on a fixed income. Um, I made a discovery, uh, because I've been paying on property taxes since December, yes. and mistakenly believed that I was ahead of the game. Oh, oh, no. oh, no. Little did I know, I was only paying on the preliminary assessment, and then come March 23rd, the new, the correct assessment comes in. So, properties that I'd already paid several hundred dollars to now have increases of 70 90 or up to 200 dollars an average of between 15 and 20 percent increases on my 19 properties which is a, quite a bit of money that I have to cough up in the short term before the May 10th property tax deadline and I'm not too happy about that well they only give you think about how gross this is they only give you a month and a half or
5: two months or whatever it is and so and for some people who are saying you know my property taxes went up three grand this year or, or or whatever where are you gonna find that well exactly and think about this Ethan we have a system in the state in which we are punished for something someone else does. There is no other form of taxation where you are punished for what I do. Yet in Indiana, we raise taxes on assessment, and assessment is based on what someone else sold their home for. So you are punished for not monetizing anything.
2: Yes, it's an unmonetized asset that you continue to have to pay taxes on. And I think you had a caller that said over the 10 years he's been, he's paid more than $30,000 in property taxes. It adds up. Now, there shouldn't be property taxes, period,
5: because you never actually own your home. The government had nothing to do with you buying that home. You pay the mortgage on it, or you have paid it to where you own the home. It's ridiculous that you are taxed for something that is not an asset. Now, if we're going to play a game where, hey, when you sell the home, you get taxed, okay, fine. But the idea that every single year you are forced to pay an arbitrary amount based on what an assessor, who's not even a fiscal agent, right? It's not your county council. It's not your town or city council. It's not your mayor raising taxes on you. It's it's a a a person who is elected, yes, but not even a fiscal agent can raise your taxes. The idea that if you don't pay that, you lose your home?
2: Does that – Oh, the Indiana Republican Party is the only group of people that makes sense to, apparently. Well, I mean, I think we talked about on a previous segment, uh, Proposition 13 in California. Even liberal leftist utopia of California has a better property tax scheme than the Republican state of Indiana. Ridiculous. It's
5: it's true all over the place. We just saw the Republicans are going to raise the gas tax again. The Republican Party in Indiana is in the legalized vote-buying business. And what they've recognized – and this is why if you're a Democrat, you got to quit the crazy – you got to quit trying to teach kindergartner sex. You got to stop being for men playing women's sports. All the far you got to stop being for the you know the handing the keys to the city over to BLM. You got you got to stop all that stuff. You've got to start being normal in social stuff because. The Democrats now are better than the Republicans on taxes in Indiana. As scary as that sounds, you got Democrats calling for suspension of the gas tax, you got Democrats throwing ide- out ideas left and right on property taxes. You guys can win just can the crazy on the social stuff. Just be normal.
2: Why are the Democrats coming out with a more conservative message on property taxes than Indiana state Republicans? This is mine. Well, moment. because
5: what the Republicans have realized and this is why they lean in on the social stuff, Ethan, is they recognize that the average person goes yeah, you know the Republicans are stealing money from me. They're abusing my finances. They're they're not fiscally responsible. They're not good stewards of the public trust. But what choice do I have if I vote for the Democrat? I'm gonna have, uh, you know, my kindergartner is gonna be taught sex in the public schools. The Democrats have made this bed, and I'm telling you, as someone who wants the Democrats to start winning, because that's the only way to hold the Republicans accountable, is for them to start fearing the voter, and they don't fear the voter.
2: Now, Rob, this has been kind of a downer segment. We started with scandals, yes. ra- you know, uh, completely tearing apart Indiana schools, Brownsburg elementary teachers being dismissed, and Indiana Republicans giving the middle finger to their yes. base regarding property taxes. I thought, you know, we could end on a bit of a better oh, note. Right. Do a victory lap. Uh, Mike Pence yes. getting booed last Perfect. week at the NRA, and you were literally the first person I thought of. This was hysterical.
1: Well, hello,
3: NRA. I love you too. <laughs> Sad, very sad. Sad.
2: So, I mean, how sad does it have to be that you are the former governor of the state, yes. the former vice president, and you're getting booed? Mike Pence leads a roller coaster lifestyle of highs and lows. He's all over the place. Well, it's my favorite <laughs> part was the one the one guy shouting "We love you." Like there was a guy. <laughs> you know
5: what that sounded like? If, if you've ever been to a concert. And these guys go all over the place. And the guy's in Detroit, and he comes out and says, "Hello, Cleveland." And there's just like this audible silence with booze, and then the one guy that's still been overserved who's shouting, "We love you!" Look, Mike Pence is, and I say this is someone who worked under Mike Pence as pharmacy board director. Uh, I worked on his campaign before I, you know, knew what he was. When I knew the speeches version of Mike Pence rather than the governing version of Mike Pence, Mike Pence is awful at government. His track record is zero. Accomplishments to hang his hat on. When he was a congressman, he was all for. Uh, deficit spending, he was all for driving up the national debt, he was all for sending other people's kids to fight in ill-begotten wars. As a governor, uh, he, he expanded Medicaid, he redid Obamacare and lied to you and called it HIP 2.0. He opted out of Common Core, then opted back in uh, under another name, and it cost us about $100 million because he's addicted to federal money.
2: Mike Pence is a zero, and I'm glad he got booed. Now, we know he's been angling for the Oval Office, but under the circumstances, you'd, got, you'd have to be nuts to declare well, at this point. Here's the thing with
5: Mike Pence. <laughs> and it, and Mike Pence is one of these people who believed he should be in politics or want to be in politics from the time he's old enough to tie his shoes. And he has surrounded himself, himself with the same people for basically 30 years. They're gravy train people. And so they are giving him bad advice. They're telling him because there's no other gravy train left with this guy, right? The only thing he could do is be president. And so they're telling him, oh, yeah, Mike, you, you, you should totally run for president because these people— Couldn't run a Wendy's if their life depended on it, and they need the Mike Pence gravy train.
2: So, for a man who buys into his own hype to be confronted with the grim reality of his own unpopularity is just the cherry on top i loved it yes, it's great mike pence will, will be done maybe we'll get lucky and someday his uh
5: loser brother greg will go with him and then we can all uh just just wave like you know the beverly hillbillies as they're driving driving down the road i i just i'm so glad thanks for ending our segment
2: by playing that uh that clip rob it's been great thank you ethan thanks for listening to saturday night on the circle stay tuned for more on 93 wibc Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans.
1: This is Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIPC.
2: Welcome back to Saturday Night on The Circle, where we continue the cavalcade of shame from this administration, ever spiraling downwards toward the inexorable final gasp of the once-great nation. We begin with the myopia of the highest degree, as the Transportation Secretary arrives at the uh, laughable conclusion that traffic accidents are racist. Administration officials also seek to end the test dummy gender gap, The president can't spell basic words, and the vice president looks the other way on drugs in your medicine cabinet. Don't miss this unforgettable edition of Hat Tricks with Hatcher.
1: It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent.
2: You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. On 93 WIBC, producer Carl, beep beep, 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 pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin with the uh, transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg. And if you've ever wondered why transportation is falling off the rails, sometimes quite literally in the United States with his oversight, well, it's because he's blaming things like traffic accidents on racism. Here's the clip.
6: We've got a crisis when it comes to roadway fatalities in America. We lose about 40,000 people every year. It's a level that's comparable to gun violence, and we see a lot of racial disparities. Black and brown Americans, tribal citizens, and rural residents are much more likely to lose their lives, whether it's in a car or as a pedestrian being hit by a car. There are a lot of reasons uh, related to discrimination, related to uh, the even the ways that roads are designed and built who has access to uh, a safe street design that's got crosswalks and good lighting who doesn't have that access that can drive disparities
3: right (laughs)
6: linking
2: car accidents to racial disparities i mean honestly i i've got nothing this is so clownish and ridiculous the clip speaks for itself. No wonder this administration is failing abysmally on matters like transportation when they see everything through these bizarre racism-colored glasses or sexism-colored glasses as uh, as the case applies. In this case, uh, of course, Rosa DeLorio, uh, who's part of the administration, highlighting the vital work that the transportation uh, uh, secretary is doing to ensure that female crash dummies are being utilized to eliminate the gender gap in test dummies.
4: You also plan to make important investments to uh, address the roadway safety crisis, including the critical funding that would accelerate the development. And this is an area I've I've written to you about, of the use of female uh, dummies in crash testing. This will start to fight the gender inequity among vehicle safety and crash victims. Shut up, silly
3: woman.
2: This administration is completely off the rails, seeing racism where none exists, inventing problems and conflict to tear the nation further apart. And Biden, of course, says he's focusing on the job.
3: My focus is just stay focused. But
2: he can't even spell simple words like eight, E-I-G-H-T, eight.
3: But you have, we have a thousand billionaires. In America, you know the average tax rate they pay? Eight, e i percent, eight percent. Wait a minute!
1: You tell me who this sounds like? Slow moving, inattentive, dull, constantly snacking,
2: completely asleep at the wheel, and that's why these woke officials. Uh, You know, the lunatics are running the asylum. That's what's going on. Pete Buttigieg completely failing as transportation secretary. Joe Biden completely failing as president. Karine Jean-Pierre completely failing as uh, press secretary. Kamala Harris completely failing as vice president, you know, kind of awkwardly uh, strolling wherever she goes. This time making an appearance in Reno and complimenting the all-female legislature, I'm sorry, the female-majority legislature there.
4: The impact is not only potentially about anything that might be in your medicine cabinet, and, you know, I'm not going to get in your business. And I thank and I met with the legislators who are here and your legislative leaders and that majority-female legislature that you've got here, some bad people... <laughs>
3: It is crazy, we say to give a woman woman power is like to give a gun to a monkey. We have stopped doing that ever since the 1999 Astana Zoo massacre.
2: And finally, making an allusion to illegal substances in your medicine cabinet, and I guess, you know, the administration's gonna be looking the other way. I don't know where she was going with this, but here's the clip. The
4: impact is not only potentially about anything that might be in your medicine cabinet, and you know, I'm not gonna get in your business, but you should just think about what might be in your medicine cabinet, (laughs) (laughs) could be all kinds of things that that you need and a doctor prescribed and that's your business with your doctor
1: we were somewhere around Barstow on the edge of the desert when the drugs began to take hold we had two bags of grass 75 pellets of mescaline 5 sheets of high powered blotter acid a salt shaker half full of cocaine a whole galaxy of multicolored uppers downers, screamers, laughers Also, a quarter tequila, quarter rum, case of beer, pint of raw ether, two dozen nails. Not that we needed all that for the trip, but once you get locked into a serious drug collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can.
2: If you've ever read *Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas* by Hunter uh, Hunter S. Thompson, the insanity of that book doesn't even peak with what we're living through in 2023. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Night on The Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Hop in the chat on YouTube where we always have a lively discussion and stay tuned for more on the one and only Heritage Station of 93WIBC.
0: Remember that you're standing on a
4: planet that's evolving and revolving at 900 miles an hour. That's orbiting at 90.
1: Miles You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. The sun and you and me. Welcome back
2: the to the show. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC.
4: In hour,
2: Not everything long is, long is long of long course, long terrible long. in this all crazy world we live in. There are some silver linings, brief respites of enjoyment and entertainment and, uh, uh, you know, just opportunities to, to make you smile. Uh, in this case, it was a story published uh, in Today about Rain Wilson, the actor from The Office. He got caught on an airplane flight. And, of course, this happens all the time with uh, cast members of The Office because it's such a popular show. But he's on this airplane flight. And he's sitting next to a guy for hours who's watching episodes of The Office on his laptop and doesn't recognize him. Of course, you know, he's he's covered by the mask. But how could you forget the, you know, the lovable antics of Dwight Schrute in the long running uh, TV series?
1: Would I ever leave this company? Look, I'm all about loyalty. In fact, I feel like part of what I'm getting paid for here is my loyalty. But if there were somewhere else that valued that loyalty more highly, I'm going wherever they value loyalty the most.
2: The story had a happy ending. He starts talking with the guy about how he enjoyed The Office. He's like, oh, yeah, I noticed you like that series pretty well. You've been watching it for five hours. He's like, yeah, you know, it's pretty good, except for season one. That, that you know, It was a little slow, but once you get after that, he's like, oh, yeah, season one sucked, doesn't it? And he pulls down his mask, and the gears start turning, and the guy's like, oh! And then, of course, they they connect, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, photos were taken. Maybe a few autographs were signed, but that's a fun story. Now, Carl you're a bit of a world traveler. You most recently went to Sweden, and I see pictures of you all over the place. Have you ever run into somebody famous on the aeroplane or elsewhere, I guess? Can't say I have. Not specifically? I, <laughs> no, I, I always fly coach. I, I don't know how you fly. Well, I, well, I flew coach, too. I was on a trip to New York, and this was completely ran- – rent no, we were returning from New York, returning from New York because we landed in uh, Indianapolis. Anyway, completely randomly saw in first class, and we were riding coach, too – of all the people, Ariana Huffington from HuffPost, and we chased her down and, and got a selfie. You know, I mean, just somebody famous. That's the most person, most famous person I've ever ran across randomly. I, anyway. I am remembering, though, Patrick Ewing was on one of our flights from Washington because he's the coach of the Georgetown Hoyas. I've it. Seen- yeah, and he he was too tall for even first class poor guy. If you get around enough, eventually you're going to run into somebody famous, but uh, there's Rain Wilson running into a fan. That, that'd be pretty cool. I wish I'd run into an office cast member. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, also, we mourn the passing of a 35 year run. Nearly 14,000 performances of Phantom of the Opera. It's now officially coming to a close. Took its final bow last Sunday. It's been on the Broadway since 1988. But after the pandemic, it became difficult to maintain such a gargantuan production. I I guess even a single week of running would cost in excess of a million dollars to put on the stage show. And they weren't bringing in enough money. Uh, You know, it's ironic because as the production has closed... Then they started taking in more money. In fact, uh, in the final weeks, they took in over $1.2 million and then grossing in its final run $3.6 million. You know, I'm, they would have kept up those numbers. I guess it could have stayed in. But all good things must come to an end, even my favorite Broadway production, Phantom of the Opera. Oh.
1: Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC.
2: Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where we begin this this hour with a shocking news story out of Oklahoma. And if you've ever had problems with members of the media, I'll bet you didn't dislike them as much as the officials of McCurtain County in the state who threatened on tape to assassinate members of their local print-only newspaper. This is absolutely stunning. And it all began when the local reporter Bruce Willingham of the print only McCurtain Gazette news organization sought to prove that officials were meeting behind closed doors uh, unofficially off the record and uh, conducting county business. So he left a recorder in the room and found something entirely more disturbing where among threatening or uh, mourning for the days where uh, police policemen could uh, randomly beat black uh, people and then lynch them. Uh, They also discussed uh, uh, associate or assassinating, I should say the reporter and his son and joked about a woman who had recently burned to death. I mean, this is crazy stuff all caught on tape Here's just a small portion of the audio. It's all saying,
3: it's, you know, It goes around, goes around, dude. It. it will. I told you it will. Yeah. I, don't, I know where two big deep holes are if you ever need them. <laughs> I got an escalator. These are our like free dogs. Yeah, but the thing of it is, you know.
0: We actually got it this know,
3: I've known two or three hitmen. very yeah. quiet guys. Yeah. And we're cutting mercy. F- yeah. And yeah. losing. 'Cause it's all mafia random.
4: Yeah, but here's the reality. If the hair on his wife's head, her son's head, or any of those people that really were behind all that, if the hair on their head got touched by anybody, who who would be the bad
2: guy? Yeah. So that's so interesting because even if these officials I'm sure they're going to try to spin this as hey, we're joking, we were just joking about hiring the Louisiana hitmen, then why were they talking about who they're going to pin the blame on for the assassination? Oh, if you heard a head hair on any of their heads, people are going to start asking questions. I bet they would! I'll bet they would. And now the Republican governor of the state, Kevin Stitt, is asking the politicians of McCurtain County to resign, among other things, uh, lamenting the days when black people uh, could be lynched um, In <laughs> in this shocking Portion of the audio
4: It was about the days what does that, When Alan Marshall Take a damn black blackjack Whoop through ass
3: And throw them in the cell I'd run for sheriff. Yeah. Well it's not like that uh, no more. I know we'll Take them down here <laughs> on, on Mud Creek And hang them up With the damn rope yeah. Yeah. But you can't You're do that anybody, They dude. got more rights Than we got
2: That's Commissioner Mark Jennings uh, Mourning the day You know I'd run for sheriff I mean I You know here's the crazy thing this isn't new. It's been going on for a long time. I mean, hell, the Sterling Trio of Columbia Records called it all the way back in
0: 1918. 60, just
2: for safe. Yikes. He did not expect to find rampant racism and threats of assassination in the county seat. I doubt most people do, but it's not a problem that's even strictly limited to the state of Oklahoma, which is really, really really interesting. Um, We had our own brush with this kind of corruption in the state of Indiana, where former Bartholomew County Prosecutor William Bell Nash, Was sentenced to one year probation after pleading guilty to two misdemeanor charges following an incident where he told the neighbor, I can kill you. What is this with government officials threatening assassination on members of the community or journalists in their towns? Um, Nash. Serving that one year of probation after a plea agreement was entered. And according to the probable cause affidavits, he made threats toward his neighbor on Mother's Day last year in an argument over their dogs. At one point yelling, I can kill you. I will kill you. And Indiana state law says I can kill you, according to the affidavit, nope, I don't think that's how he uh, works, how it works here. Um, And of course, he's no longer uh, in office, but had served Since 2002, had uh, prosecutor William Bell Nash now out of office and on one year of probation after making threats to his neighbor. So whether it's Oklahoma or whether it's Indiana, here you have a a few fine examples of members of your government threatening to kill you. Um, There was another bit of audio that I wanted to play. This was absolutely jaw-dropping. Coming out of uh, Chicago, uh, uh, now former mayor. Lori Lightfoot um, finally seeming to, I, I can believe this, recognize the problem of the revolving door of criminal justice and prosecutors and justices letting out violent criminals. Uh, with light sentences or giving them bail and releasing them on the streets to commit more crimes. Incredibly identifying the problem, but only after she lost the election. Now sounding more conservative than the person who won and replaced her.
4: As Democrats, if we do not speak the truth about violent crime in our city, we will be the worst for it. But I know that there are people in my city that are wreaking havoc every day and need to be off the street that's that's reality what do we say to not only the victims of crimes but the people who are terrified about crimes in their neighborhood most of whom look like us if we say yeah the police department is spending all this time and resources to arrest put a case on and then the judges and the prosecutors say you know what we're gonna let you out on electronic monitoring to wreak havoc again If somebody musters the courage to come forward and identify the person who had just shot up their neighborhood and then sees Pookie walking bold as day back on the street two days later, what does that say to them? You're telling them that the criminal justice system doesn't care about victims and witnesses.
0: You're moving
1: into a land of both shadow and substance of things and ideas. You've just crossed
2: over into the Twilight Zone. this Lori Lightfoot during her tenure over Chicago? Now we have tough on crime... Lori Lightfoot, coming at a time when Walmart has closed four of the stores in the metro area after suffering millions of dollars in losses, renovating one store which had been ransacked during the Summer of Love in 2020 for more than $70 million, going so far as to offer additional services beyond simply uh, uh, day-to-day retail in an effort to make the stores profitable and still could not surmount the tidal wave of violence and theft that uh, the residents of Chicago face on a daily basis. In fact, after making the announcement of departing, one woman took, what was it, Uh, six televisions, six televisions uh, from the store in the Chatham Supercenter area. (laughs) And now um, residents of the neighborhood are, of course, hoping that Walmart will donate the land so that way they can step up to provide the needs of the citizens when... They're going to get chased out ultimately by theft too. You know the, the the problem is endemic and has a lot to do with, ironically, some of the things that Lori Lightfoot talked about—the revolving door of criminal justice and letting these offenders out with little to no bail or giving them very light sentences and then sending them back on the streets to reoffend. Hilarious that now the former mayor of Chicago has taken that position. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. More content to come up next. Nigel Laskowski joins the show to continue the conversation that's been evolving about Bud Light and its partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. Is it practicable to continue the boycott, especially in a diversified market economy? These are questions we'll ponder coming up next on 93 WIBC. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans.
1: Is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC.
2: Hello and welcome to Saturday Night on the Circle, where I'm your beheaded broadcaster, Ethan Hatcher. Don't miss the podcasts uploaded to Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm plus WIBC.com, and you can hop in the chat while we broadcast live on YouTube. For weeks now, consumers have vented their outrage toward Buzz Budweiser's partnership with Dylan Mulvaney, who cosplays as a little girl on social media. Since then, the company has lost $5 billion in market share after the controversy began. But is the outrage practicable to maintain, and will this boycott be successful in a diverse market economy? Helping us ponder those questions is one half of the dynamic duo Hammer and Nigel. He's the mild-mannered, middle-aged mensch of manliness known as (laughs) Nigel Laskowski, who joins us now.
6: Hey, Ethan, what's going on, man? How are you? I
2: am well. Thanks for having me on, brother. Uh, Hey, uh, pleasure to have you on the program.
6: First of all, let me just say, when you said the word boycott, I've said this all week about this, this word boycott in terms of Bud Light. I don't think, boy, when I think of boycott, I think of organization. Yeah. I, I think of petitions. I think of protests. I just think it's a bunch of people that were kind of turned off by the marketing campaign and just decided to go with something else. Yeah, this is. I, I don't know that it was some sort of uh, organized boycott. You know what I mean. I don't think there's sense? a face of the boycott. Absolutely right, no. I right, think right, it's right.
2: I think it's a market reaction, but I'm not sure if it's practicable to continue for reasons that I'll get into a little later in the segment. But first, I wanted to talk about one of the options available, and they did this with the chocolate, and it kind of got under under my skin too. Um, w- with the uh, uh, Jeremy Boring from Daily Wire introducing the her or she her bars oh, and the he I, him bars. I, think I heard about that. Is I it... bought some. I'm actually waiting for my shipment to. <laughs> see if somehow Hershey's is ma- 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 uh, involved in the manufacture of the anti-woke chocolate. But anyway. Boy, they got you, didn't they? Well, so yes, they, they did, for damn they, near $30. It's $25 bucks for four bars. <laughs> and they're trying to do the same with Come this on. beer. Uh, uh, the conservative dad on social media introducing ultra-right beer, and here's how it's being marketed. All right. America's been drinking beer from a company that doesn't even know which restroom to use.
3: That's why I created Conservative Dad's Ultra-Right 100%
2: Woke-Free Beer. As conservatives, we're constantly getting hit in the face, left and right, by the Woke Mind Virus. But the last place we want it is in our beer. If you know which bathroom to use, you know what beer you should be drinking. Stop giving money to woke corporations that hate our values. And to
1: the rest of woke corporations, stay the f*** away from our kids.
2: Buy yours online in 42 states at ultrarightbeer.com. They're doing the same it thing with like the cream. chocolate. They're asking nineteen ninety-nine for yeah, a six-pack plus shipping. I
6: mean, it's all marketing to a certain segment of the population. Sure. I get it. Um you have to remember this woke corporation that he's talking about, Anheuser Busch yeah. and their parent company, were big money donors to the GOP. Let's not forget that before we I mean, all that stuff is all, all window dressing. It's like I don't like I guarantee it doesn't taste any different than any other. Uh, lager that I've ever tasted in my entire life, or Pilsner. Here's or my whatever. thing. So it's, it's it's
2: marketing. Here's it's... here's my thing. I understand the reaction, and I'm not going to tell you that you have to support Dylan Mulvaney or buy Bud Light. You know, I've never bought Bud Light. I think it's swill beer. There's lots of better <laughs> reasons not to buy Bud Light than their mar- their marketing campaign with Dylan Mulvaney. But I'm. I'm so tired of the hyper of literally every facet of life. I love politics. I've been talking about politics since I was a teenager. I majored in political science at the university. But what I'm sick of... Outrage culture. ...is the outrage culture. And it's both sides doing it. It's certainly the left wing with their virtue signaling marketing campaigns, but also now the right wing with their ultra-right beer and anti-woke chocolate. And I'm just sick of it. And they're
6: overcharging for crap.
2: You fell for it! (laughs) Well, this is research. Oh, okay. Because so I, are
6: you going to write a check? Are you going to turn in a, a receipt to Radio 1 for this? Well, for it, it is part of the show, because <laughs> I wondered, in the two
2: days, it took him, and it took this conservative dad, similarly, a short amount of time, to partner with a manufacturing, and being that sure. Hershey's is like the number 1 chocolate manufacturer in the game, I'm like, somehow are they involved in the manufacturing process, which I don't no know, way. that's why I bought it, but I'm tired of the virtue signaling.
6: You know, the only thing that I will say that... Bud Light did 100% wrong was their woke marketing uh, director, <laughs> that chick, that woman, that millennial or whatever that kind of put this whole TikTok, Dylan Mulvaney, Bud Light campaign together. Shut up, silly woman. She basically insulted a, a strong... Customer base by saying, Oh, we need to move on from this frat culture. that's not what word for word what, what she said, but you know, the frattiness. We we need yeah. to expand. You know, basically slamming a big part. I mean, how many college kids over the you know decades and decades have been downing Bud Light, and all of a sudden we need to change you with know, these frat boys when there's pictures of her yeah, in college gonna participating
2: <laughs> in frat culture. She was part of the base, so she should know. So that's
6: the only thing thing. But th- th-
2: I mean, whatever. This is why I ponder if it's practicable to continue, because here's just an abbreviated list of, bu- uh, of brands associated with Bud Light, oh, yeah. manufactured by the same company. Michelob, it- Natural Light, Natty Daddy, Cass, Castle, Corona, Harbin, Estella, uh, 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 Stella Yes, Land uh, Landshark Lager, Modelo, uh, Shock Top, Johnny Appleseed. Uh, I mean, it, the list goes on, I- and then there's the partnered brands. Like, are you really going to do your research
6: I was just drinking Modelo last night at the Mexican restaurant I went to. I had no idea that Modelo was part of the, un, under that set that, that umbrella. So you
2: were supporting a woke brand, <laughs> Nigel. And you're not the only uh, one. Uh, Dan uh, Crenshaw got caught up in this, too. He videotaped himself in a hilarious self own saying he was going to extricate Bud Light from the fridge. But I'll tell you what happened.
3: Stop Bud Light's stupid ad campaign. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to throw out every single Bud Light we've got in the fridge. All right, well, I guess uh, that was easy. So,
2: he opens the fridge, and there's no Bud Light. But you know what was filled with, was, Nige? Was it Stella? More <laughs> beers owned by Anheuser-Busch! What are you doing? See, I, that's why I say I'm not uh, sure it's... the boycott is practicable to continue. It, I, I understand the outrage about the partnership and the woke marketing, but this is a diverse economy, and I'm not sure that we are geared yeah. to purchase all of our products from people with whom we politically align. I mean, good luck. You
6: know, the the other thing you, you good mentioned, you mentioned that that they lost what billions Five of dollars billion in market cap. we were talking to tony katz about this earlier this week on our show and his viewpoint is and i agree with it you know that's a couple of days all right mm-hmm. the market fluctuates like that especially for beer companies let's see what happens in a month or two okay because that's not that big of a deal in terms of how gigantic and global in bev is the corporation that owns Anheuser-Busch. Yes. And, so, uh, we'll we'll really see what happens a month or two from now.
2: And it's not just Anheuser-Busch. It's also now Guinness, more specifically uh, the brand that owns them. Just finished off my eight-pack of uh, Guinness uh, yep. last week. Diageo. Now, Florida yeah. Governor Ron DeSantis, <laughs> yeah. he spoke out in the Bud Light controversy and said he doesn't dr- drink Bud Light. He supports Guinness. He said he's a Guinness
6: man,
3: right? But
2: Guinness <laughs> released a woke holiday ad there parent company, Diageo, for J&B whiskey last holiday season with this grandfather putting on makeup yeah. and teaching his transgendered grandson how to do the same. That's where it's weird for me. That's where it gets strange The whole strange thing for is me. weird,
6: but they're, but, they're again... Ron DeSantis saying he's a Guinness man and doesn't realize that... <laughs> that they're
2: woke too. Yeah. And they own more than Guinness in Scotch whiskey. They own Johnny Walker, J&B, Buchanan's. They also own Canadian Crown Royal. They own Smirnoff. They own Don yeah. Julio Tequila. They oh, own well. so many brands. Are Again, it's not that I disagree with the outrage. I'm totally on board with the outrage, and I think it's perfectly. It's weird, too. Wait a minute. But... You just said you're against
6: outrage culture.
2: <laughs> I am against the outrage culture. I'm sick of it being politicized, but I understand okay. All it. Right. Oh,
6: you understand it. All I understand.
2: Right. I, I mean, how can you look at an ad like that or the partnerships and not have a reaction? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I'm just sick of whether it's the right doing it or whether it's the left doing it. I don't yeah. want my my beer politicized i don't want my chocolate politicized i don't want my video games and my entertainment
6: politicized that's what i'm sick of look at the biggest movies out uh, over the past few months Whether mm-hmm. it be Top Gun Whether it be the Super Mario Brothers movie Whether it be John Wick No agenda Great story writing Great cast And no political agendas on those movies You know what I'm saying? Yeah like, I mean, that's that should be a theme for Hollywood uh, Family movies I mean, if, uh, Super Mario Brothers I know we're talking about beer here But Super Mario Brothers Broke all sorts of records in the animated world
2: They're on track for a billion dollars so
6: They're the number
2: one most profitable movie of 2023 so
6: family far Family movie and and
2: stuff that leaves all the crap we we're talking about out of it. The most beautiful thing about a free market economy is it's the best product, the highest yeah. quality, which should stand out. Absolutely. And that is what Joe Rogan was talking about on his podcast, discussing and synthesizing the issue and the controversy surrounding Bud Light.
6: Do you have any beer? Hey, here? You, yeah, you want a beer? I'd take a light though. Okay, let's yeah. get, get some Bud Lights. Let's uh, do this. Yeah. In support of Bud Light and their time let's of Alice. By getting a little day Let's drug. Be, we're gonna
2: be allies, <laughs> yeah. you know, because Kid Rock and Travis Tritt have put the frank and hammer down.
3: Yeah, I know they're really frang and fighting the good fight, man. Here's my take. Okay, <laughs> 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 like. What you're, what you're doing,
2: what they're doing, is just spreading the brand to an extra group of people. Yeah. Why, if something is good, do you give a f (laughs) who's got it? (laughs) Like, will we do this with cheesecake? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if there was like a bomb ass cheesecake, and all of a sudden, you know, some radical group like Uh Antifa really got into the cheesecake, we'd be like, (laughs) fuck this.
6: Yeah. You know what? The most interesting part about that clip was the censoring. that noise. <laughs> you like the duck what, quack? What is the bleep there? <laughs> <laughs>
2: That, that is the new sensor sound okay. for Saturday night on The Circle. Okay. I mean, you know, good. putting a, putting a spin on it. But, uh, but, but I agree generally with the take, which is it's free market economy. Buy what you like. If you've always loved Bud Light, Why should, chances yeah. are you're going to buy it again, which is what's happened every single time. It happened yeah. with the Nike Boycots boycott.
6: Boycotts don't work. It happened they with really the don't. Yeti
2: boycott. If you're buying these products and you love the products, yeah, you might set it on fire for a few clicks on social media, but chances are... You are you're gonna I, go buy it again. Something different. Just, I
6: think something different happen, happened with Bud Light. I think they stepped in it for sure. But you are right. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and that. see. Chances are, I think it's gonna blow
2: over. I, again, I understand the outrage. We're still talking about it here. No, I mean, going on week a, three, yeah. going on week four. Yeah. I never expected Neither it to last this long. Nope, it's crazy. Thanks for coming in the studio. Hey, uh, thanks for the sh- invite, man. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Stay tuned to Saturday night on the Circle. This is the one and only ninety-three WIBC. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans.
1: This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC.
2: Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in. We've been having some great conversations on the program this evening. If you missed a moment, guests Rob Kendall and Nigel Laskowski have joined the show. And you can find the podcasts uploaded to Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm. I put them up every Sunday. Or producer Carl puts the WIBC podcast up after the broadcast ends on Saturday night. You can also find us streaming on the YouTube where you can hop in the chat, join the show talk with other fans as the broadcast goes on. We begin this segment resuming our conversation about Bud Light and the cultural controversy. I think it's interesting that this conversation has been going on for weeks since it started with their partnership, uh, Dylan Mulvaney, and now some interesting developments in uh, the marketing lineup over there at Bud Light. But you'll never believe this, who came out to bat for the company following the controversy was none other than, uh, other than Donald Trump Jr., who asked conservatives to pump the brakes on their boycott, noting the uh, meltdown over the company partnering with uh, Dylan Mulvaney wasn't worth destroying an American icon. This was during Thursday's broadcast of his Triggered podcast and pointed out that despite conservatives' complaints, Anheuser Bush has actually donated a lot of money to Republicans. I had my team
6: get into the details, and we looked into the political giving and lobbying history of Anheuser-Busch, and guess what? They actually support Republicans in in woke corporate America. Anheuser Busch supports Republicans. Last cycle, their employees and their PAC gave about sixty percent to Republicans and forty percent to Democrats. And that's literally almost unheard of in corporate America.
2: That's all it's about. That's all it boils down to is their worth as a donor for the Republican Party. And who cares? He goes on to a, a point, well, they were instrumental in helping get Kevin McCarthy elected. You mean Kevin McCarthy, the guy who's now folding on the debt limit and adding yet another trillion dollar increase to the ever ballooning national deficit? You mean that Kevin McCarthy? No, that does not particularly inspire me, Don Trump jr that's the kind of ridiculous shenanigans you get out of establishment republicans which evidently don jr is a part of what are we doing here uh, you know again it, i'm not telling you you gotta support bud light certainly i i think the, the commercial was obviously a mistake and the market has responded but you y- you shouldn't be supporting them just because they're republican donors that's That's certainly not a reason, but, uh, you know, money talks. Now, there's also been an interesting shakeup in the management of Bud Light. Turns out their marketing VP, that uh, woman, Alyssa Heinerscheid, she has reportedly stepped back from the organization. I mean, she's cost them more than $5 billion in market share. I dare say that was a screw up. But of course, r- uh, Republicans and conservatives have been calling for a boycott of the beer and for Heinerscheid to be fired. What it reminds me of is kind of i mean i don't want to draw this direct parallel but it reminds me of cancel culture like this woman made a mistake and i don't support the ideas that she seeks to advance but i i don't want her to be fired. I don't want her to be out of a job. I think she has the right to work and earn a living just like any of us do. And I, I know conservatives, myself included, are not fans when uh, the the woke mob seeks to end your profession or dox you just because you have a differing opinion. And I just I wonder if that's what's going on here. Now, of course, it, it is totally legitimate, you know, for her to be stepping aside after losing more than five billion dollars for the company. It just, I, I hate when people go after individuals' employment on a basis of political disagreement. Kind of, you know, it kind of makes me do a double take, raise the hair on the back of my head. I actually ran across a clip of Rod Serling talking on the issue generally of censorship with Mike Wallace um, all the way back in the 1960s and discussing his struggles against the cultural movement of the time. And I I just wonder if some way we're not reliving some kind. Kind of resurgence of that? Like, am I the angry man shaking his fist at the so- sky, seeking some kind of puritanism from my, my entertainment or from my beer companies? Like, I, I hope not. Here here was a uh, part of the exchange captured uh, with Mike Wallace and Rod Serling, the uh, creator of, among other things, most famously, The Twilight Zone.
0: Well, we hear a
1: lot about censorship of the writer on TV. Oh, we a good deal right about it in your own case especially.
3: Well, depending, of course, on the thematic treatment you're using, if you have the temerity to try to dramatize a theme that involves any particular social controversy currently extant, then you're in deep trouble. For instance, uh, a racial theme, for example.
2: Now he's talking about censorship of racial themes and the sanitization back then. Are we just moving it to themes of human sexuality? Like, I I don't know. These are just questions I'm throwing around. And as somebody who absolutely supports the right to freedom of speech, I think it's important for us to make sure that we're not engaged in the kind of censorship that the left often seeks to impose on us. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, 93 WIEBC. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Producer Carl, pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. Now, Bud Light, existing as a woke corporation, certainly is more of a recent phenomenon. Hell, back in 1994, they aired an ad that would be considered politically controversial and right-wing today putting their actors in drag um, playing in a pool game on Ladies Night to win Bud Light. This is a 1994
0: ad. <laughs> These guys are good. Who are you calling guys?
4: Yeah.
1: Looks like you're in the finals. Uh, ma'am? For the great taste that won't fill you up and never let you down, make it a Bud Light.
4: You're the defending Ladies Pool champion? Yes, I am. <laughs> ah, I'm gonna I'm going to kill myself, and it's your
2: fault. Only 20 years, and my, how the tides have turned. Now that would be considered transphobic to put on the air. These dudes were totally in drag, wearing ladies' wigs. One of them, were, you know, they're in dresses. One of them had a mustache. And Bud Light was poking fun out at, at him. Now, you know, we've completely, completely changed. And maybe, maybe it's just the sign of the times evolving. Like, I, I don't know. But uh, it, it certainly is interesting to note. Finally, uh, Bud Light is not the only uh, not the only beer company that's come under fire recently. Um, this was funny. Out of Belgium, this happened in February when two thousand cans of Miller High Life beer were destroyed. Because of using the term champagne in their nickname, the champagne of beers, well, while they were on route to Germany, it was intercepted in Antwerp by Belgian authorities when the Comité Champagne tasked with safeguarding the distir- uh, distinction of the French sparkling wine, Ordered its destruction, committee taking issue with the brew's slogan, referencing it as the champagne of beers. According to European law, the word champagne can be used cannot be used on the packaging of imported goods unless they originate from the specific champagne re- region in southwest France. And so they they destroyed 2,000 cans of beer. Miller High Life ordinarily not shipped to the European Union, an unusual situation. And in the wake of this, they invited their european friends to take a toast of the high life and kind of thumb their nose uh proud of their milwaukee providence um and uh, the title of the champagne of beers thanks for listening to 93 wibc saturday night on the circle we got one segment to go but don't miss a moment of saturday night on the circle
1: listening to Saturday night on the circle on 93 wiPC
2: welcome back to the show this is Saturday night on the circle I hope you've been enjoying the broadcast so far find our podcasts uploaded to wibc.com Saturday night on the circle and always broadcasting on the YouTube you can find us linked to Twitter to Facebook wibc.com the works we're on all over the social media Ending the segment with McDonald's, which is focusing on upgrading their core items. And I dare say if ever there was a fast food franchise in need of a polish, it would be McDonald's. Polish that turd right on up. They're saying they're going to uh, focus on having softer buns, uh, cheese that's gooier, and onions that will be freshly added to patties right on the grill, tipping their hand that these damn onions haven't been fresh this whole time. What are you doing? You can't cook onions. Onions are like one of the easiest things to cook. You can't just throw those on the grill. But no, I guess everything's frozen in the land of McDonald's. Talk about some fast food crap. I can't stand eating over there. But uh, but they are improving. Apparently. I hope they're not a sponsor. <laughs> oh, yes. If McDonald's is a sponsor, uh, I apologize. It, it turns out they're delicious. But uh, if they're not, then they're terrible and I hate them. <laughs> Um, they said uh, they found that small changes like tweaking the process uh, the process to get hotter, meltier cheese, adjusting grill settings for better sear, added up to a big difference in making the bur- burgers more flavorful than ever. Um, it would not be hard to do because most of their burgers taste like cardboard. Uh, they also got in pretty late to the chicken sandwich game, adding their crispy chicken sandwich. And I don't think it holds a candle to any of the major crispy chicken sandwiches like uh, uh, Chick-fil-A, certainly or uh, Popeye's chicken, either of them better, I mean, but generally speaking, anything that you're going to get at McDonald's um, is is substantially worse than anywhere else. Uh, They're far, far, far away from the uh, standards set by the McDonald's brothers in California all those many years ago. Uh, Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. One more food-related story to get out of the way, where a Florida man was uh, arrested for allegedly slapping a woman in the face with pizza during an argument. And that got me to thinking, Carl, if you were to use a food-based weapon, what would be your choice? I've got a couple options I'll throw your way. I'm thinking a French baguette. You could possibly use to sharpen, you know, and as a stabbing implement or beat somebody over the head with it. Those French baguettes are pretty crispy. Or possibly a coconut. I mean, you could you could totally bludgeon somebody to death with a coconut. Uh, you got any ideas for a food-based weapon for assault? I think the coconut would do a lot of damage. Yeah, coconut. You're sticking with that. I mean, co- I, I mean, it could do certainly a lot of damage. Um, pizza slice, however, not necessarily the first weapon of choice. When officers responded to the scene, the woman uh, said that uh, she was slapped on the left side of her face uh, during an argument when the perpetrator became upset after she physically disciplined another individual on the home, quote, on his bottom area. So he was getting spanking, and for that, got slapped with a slice of pizza. Apparently, it's get, it, it, it's not hitting the child, it's slapping the, the person with a slice of pizza that is uh, crime worthy of assault and arrest <laughs> but
4: was the pizza frozen?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well she said it slapped on the left side of her face. I'm guessing it was slimy. it seems like something slimy you know kind of limp not, not your first implement but uh, but they're going on in Florida. Wrapping things up here on a Saturday evening. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for showing your support to the show. Um, Thanks for tuning in, listening. Don't forget to like, share, tell your friends about the program. And as always, feel free to hop in the chat on YouTube while we broadcast. Always a lively conversation. One of the closing things I'd like to uh, uh, leave the show off with, especially in light of our uh, conversation regarding Bud Light, it's still a pretty good country to live in overall when the worst of our concerns are the idea of woke branding uh, included in marketing. That's pretty much. there are bigger issues, bigger fish to fry, more important things to be concerned about, like the increasing property taxes, or the runaway spending in government, or the inflation crisis, or the transportation crisis, or many of the other more pressing issues facing our country. You know, So, if the worst we got to worry about is beer, I think we're doing pretty good. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. I leave you with my parting words of wisdom. Uh, wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, remember that life is is a state of mind. I won't see you next week. I'll be out. But two weeks from now, tune back in to Saturday Night on The Circle.